Hi, everyone. Welcome to Stewing It, Episode 6. Um, we have um, the usual cast of characters and a new guest. We actually have uh, two mics today, so we're going to have to be very specific. Um, Mike P., if you want to introduce yourself. so Mike P. here. Mike Piscitelli. Just friend of Stu from... Uh... From the uh, the Kevin Smith world, it's actually um it's funny that you say that because we actually share a unique experience in common. Calm down, boys. Um, uh, we were on um Comic Book Men season seven, episode um, two. Two, exactly, exactly. My uh, season seven, episode two, brother. Yes, exactly. And and what did you uh, sell at that time? Uh, well, I tried to sell my, uh, Mark's figures, but I ended up just, uh, showing up and, and just getting destroyed by them. Yeah. Mostly Brian. A pretty common occurrence. And yeah. That- and my, my kid was like, my, my kid was like, they totally embarrassed you, dad. How could you have done that? And that was the episode, uh, that was uh, the Ouija board episode. Yeah, that was your Ouija board. Yeah, it, was board. The Hallow- it was the Halloween. It was, it was actually a good Halloween episode. episode. Yeah. It's like two minutes and almost three minutes I was on. It was a good, yeah. it was a good appearance. So, um, and, um, you know, uh, uh, the other guest uh, is uh, George. Um, George, you want to introduce yourself for new viewers? For new viewers, I am uh, George Cormos, and I am the uh, owner framer extraordinaire at Revere Picture Framing, and uh, friends with uh, with this motley crew over here. So, and I actually was thinking that um, there's this, uh, you know, seven degrees of Kevin Smith or six degrees of Kevin Smith. Um, we became friends when we went to, um, I guess it must have been either the season i guess it must have been season seven it was season seven the season seven kickoff party in a red bank at jamian's at jamian's and you know we were just waiting for a screening of the episode and you know you were there and we started talking and then we became um you know great friends yeah yeah it was a good it was a good time that night yeah and i actually um think that um i'm trying to recall back and my other kevin Smith connections. The, the earliest I can remember is that I went to a Comic Con in Chicago right before Dogma came out. So I've been a longtime Kevin Smith fan, but I think the earliest that I actually interacted uh, with you, Mike and Ming, before the TV show was, um, uh, I guess it was when we they showed Tusk and Red Bank that day, there was the ice storm and um, everybody was kind of wandering around slippery on, on ice. And I was looking at um, some Facebook memories and I have a picture of, of uh, us together, Ming, on, on that day. And I, Mike, I believe I met you at the same time. So, you know, a, a long time uh, that I know all of you guys through our mutual you know, friend, I guess, Kevin Smith. It was uh, an, an inevitable friendship, Stu. Yes, thank uh, you. It was an enchanting yeah. evening. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> I, um, I remember, yeah, we did a, it was a screening of Tusk at the uh, what, the White Street Cinema or whatever, the Bowtie Cinema, whatever they call it in Red Bank. And there was a pretty bad ice storm, so the, the roads were treacherous. And uh, I remember there were some people who couldn't get down to Red Bank that day. And uh, I, remember, I think they were calling the store for, for um, refunds. 
and uh I was, you know, I guess I was kind of running the thing, and they're like, "Well, what do you want to do? Are you give, we want to give these people refunds." I'm like, "Nope." <laughs> I was so, <laughs> I was so heartless, but like, as like, this isn't my show. This is Kevin's show. So like, <laughs> uh, but you know, everyone got little a little Tusk uh, mini mate, very very rare, very exclusive. So yes, as, as I showed last time, which is right over my uh, shoulder here. Yeah, um, so I think we mailed those out. At least you got a mini mate out of it. If you couldn't make it down, uh, if uh, you know, I, I wanted people who would risk life and limb to come down and see this movie. So, well, um, what I recall is I got there very early, as I'm prone to do because I'm concerned about parking and you know the weather and all that. And I remember I went into the stash, and I, Mike, I believe you were there because I asked Walt. I said, "Hey, um, I have um, tickets for the later show. Can I go to the earlier show?" And and Walt was like, "Oh, that's not going to happen." I said, "Okay, all right, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll go to Hobby Masters, which unfortunately no longer exists." So, speaking of Hobby Masters, and uh, they used to have a place next to it called, I think it was Toy Masters. Um, the the topic of today's episode is uh, dangerous activities of our youth. Um, <laughs> Before we get into that, Stu, really, Walt said, no, you're going to the one that I tell you to go to? Yeah, pretty much. All right. I I, I, I would have tried to sneak in, but um, all right, you went to the wrong guy. I Well, you know, what can I say? Now yeah. I know. Yeah, well, now we would have, we would have, you know, now it's all about nepotism. Well, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And if you don't punch Mike in the back of the head, that gets you anything yeah. you want, basically. So. Yeah, well, seriously. Yeah. I, I'll, I'll, I will go out of my way to try to help you if you don't punch me in the back of the head. Let me, let me, um, for those who may not be aware, there's a certain individual who was. Oh, you don't have to tell the story. Let them try to figure it out. Or, yeah. like, yeah. what the hell are they talking about? Yeah. And okay. Then we'll have to Google it. Okay. I, I just leave them wanting more. Okay. To do. But, but, it's but, much better that way. Plus, this guy doesn't get any more free press. Okay. So, but what basically happened is, um, one of the things that is involved with today's uh, topic is that I have uh, a wide variety. In addition to my Batman stuff, you can see behind me, I have a wide variety of the toys that I had as a youth and the toys that I wanted as a youth, but I couldn't have. And one of the things that I wanted were these things called satellite shoes or dumping shoes, which are basically the world's most dangerous toys. And, um, uh, I I went to my grandfather, my grandpa Nat, and I was like, "Oh, can you get me these shoes?" And he was like, "Oh yeah, of course." And you know, my mom and dad cut it off like they're like, "You're going to kill yourself. You're, you're a smart guy. You're not that coordinated." So even then, they knew my strengths and my weaknesses. So I never got these satellite shoes, but eventually, as I got older, I collected them uh, through you know vintage dealers, and I had this idea. You'll, I mean, you'll have, you can finally know the truth. It's a, I, yeah, there you go. The satellite shoes. I had this idea that I pitched to the producers of comic book men that I would bring the satellite shoes into the stash and someone probably you Ming would have to try them out. And people were like, there's no way in hell we're going to do that. So that that's like the missing episode. I pitch that. That's where they drew the line. They drew the line there. I don't know. I mean, they they, they said they said no, no. Uh, you know, uh, um, they they want to go elsewhere. So. so, Stu, that's that's what you said. That's the missing. It's the lost episode, the one that was never made. Yes, exactly. And the one that they they were like absolutely not. Yeah. Cool. Then there are a lot of lost episodes. 
Okay. All right. All right. There are many lost heads. They told us there's absolutely no way you're doing stuff like that. Well, if you're watching, so these these were in uh, Back to the Future. Were they? Yeah, one of the kids was jumping down the street wearing satellite shoes. I I don't know. That's yeah. right. Yeah. What what happened is, is that what you can see there is that um, it's part of my obsession is that once I have one, I have to get all varieties. And um, you know, at people who are collectors understand that. People who are not collectors cannot understand that for one minute. Well, the people who aren't collectors are like, why do you have these in in a closet somewhere? Well, at the, well, this is actually my guest room. <laughs> yeah, there's a big difference. I, I, my apologies, Stu. <laughs> so your guest watching, room full of satellite shoes. Exactly, exactly. You know, just in case people want to make a hasty retreat for my house. It was oh, out the window. Nice. I guess I'm trying to figure out the purpose of these. If you're watching this, um, or if you're listening, they're basically something you get strapped to your shoes, and they have a spring, a couple springs on the bottom. Yeah, they're bouncy shoes. Boing, 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 exactly. boing, boing. If, if you're listening after the fact, what these are is that these are metal plates that are there are two metal plates attached by a series of heavy duty springs with um, fasteners that you would tie to your feet. In theory, you could, you know, bounce down the street and have a you know grand old time. Uh, in practice, you would probably break a leg or your face or something else. So that should have been their catchphrase for <laughs> a grand old time. Hmm. <laughs> see, marketing opportunities lost. Still. There you go. So <laughs> yes, every toy, every single toy of my childhood was somehow was somehow could have killed me. I sure. mean I mean, just think of playground equipment. Do you guys are you guys old enough for the playground equipment? With, of course, it was on with, asphalt. On asphalt, it was all made out of steel. You know, they had the merry-go-round where if you let go, you know, somebody would run it real fast, and if you let go, you go flying. Yeah. No. Red grass on the slide. Yeah. Oh, the hot slide. Yeah. <laughs> Did you call the merry-go-round the vomit comet? Because that's the nomenclature we used. I've never saw anyone throw up on it, but I've seen people like flung from it. And like, remember those, those, there were like animals, like on a spring. Yeah. You would try to like touch your head to the, the, to ground. the ground. Yeah. <laughs> and that, I mean, that was an industrial coil that uh, it, used to slingshot people into space. Cemented <laughs> into, into the, the ground. Uh, evidently, I, someone I, had a whole oh, boatload of them and was like, hey, what are we going to do? We're done flinging people into space. We have all these coils. Let's turn them into children's toys. Of course. That's, uh, yeah, absolutely. So uh, I, I, you guys said that. And I remember uh, when I was like 10 years old. Yeah, there you go, Ming. That's awesome. <laughs> that's not dangerous at all. No. It's the plastic right. one. That's, that's didn't have the metal one. When I was a kid in, in, in Brooklyn, we didn't have there those were, things. They were made out of metal or concrete. I remember because they were heavy. They had it to was, be heavy to be on that spring. It was metal. You move them. So you needed that. You needed something heavy duty to get the spring moving because it was so big. And yeah, that was insane. But when I was... I think between 10 and 14 years old, we had this, this, uh, there was only one kid in my class who, whose mom, whose parents were divorced, you know, that, that we talked about. 
And their mom would let them do anything. So we used to play hockey with a lit plastic container of gasoline. <laughs> Mike Quinn. We, we would slap shot right up against his house. And that was kind of insane because, I mean, he had scorch marks on his house and his mom never noticed or didn't care. I'm, I wasn't sure. And we would also uh, have roaming candle fights. Oh, we did that too. Yeah. You get a garbage can lid. <laughs> and uh, this is just around the time that plastic uh, garbage can lids started coming out. You still had the metal ones. So we had a, an equal number of metal and plastic. And we each got like three Roman candles and you would shoot at the person. And we would try to like, and we would run into the woods, which is real smart. Cause you, why not light your woods on fire? And <laughs> yeah, we, we started some, some mini fires in there too. We did, we, did that. we did that in forest park when I, when I lived in Queens, the golf course. So you had your sand traps you had the poor groundskeeper of that that golf course. We, I mean, we used to do. We used to hang out there all night and just do weenie roasts and drink beer and tear up the the grounds and and everything. It was you know punk ass kids. But I remember the one July Fourth. It was probably a couple of days after July Fourth or before. Just loaded with ordnance, flashing thunders, Roman candles, M80s, and we're just you know it, it was literally. One side against the other side. And if you were standing on a hill watching this happen, you would swear you were watching some kind of reenactment with all the explosions mm -hmm. going on. But um, you, you ever, you ever uh, light a flashing thunder and then you can't find where the, uh, where the fuse is and you improvise a fuse and just throw it in the, in, in the street and it, it does like a uh, – <laughs> it does like, uh, you know, just random – you don't know where the hell it's gonna go. Yeah, it whizzes. You it whizzes around. You're like, and you're like, holy crap! That just went by my ear. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How are you guys alive? And you have all your fingers, as far as I know. Like, we oh, used okay. to. <laughs> I used to draw. My friend Steve had a Datsun 210, <laughs> and we used to. We got this, and it was this white, milky white vase that you'd put like a, a rosebud in, and we would put. Uh, uh, bottle rockets in it and we'd hold it out the window and we would shoot it out the window in front of us so we can see it explode in the street in front of us then one day we got the idea what if we took a whole bunch of firecrackers and packed them into a film container and then lit it all at once and threw it out the window so we're driving in this car and and i guess they were really dry because we lit it and the thing just immediately exploded in my hand while we're driving and the two of us just walked into Burger King and ordered, you know, ordered dinner. And we're like, huh? What? We survived. Well, I have to tell you, this is from when we were old enough to know better. Um, and I have some of my uh, college friends who are my Facebook friends. So, you know, they may or may not remember this. There was a certain point um, during freshman year where there were bottle rockets shot in the dormitory, down the hallway, and they would zigzag across the hallway. And, and then did you guys ever make the cannons out of the tennis ball cans? Sure. Yeah, where basically you would crimp the top, 
and put the tennis well put the tennis ball in, crimp the top, then put lighter fluid in, and then it would explode and shoot the tennis ball off. Did I explain that right, uh, Mike? Did that pretty much, or was there another kind of ordinance that you guys used? We used um, uh, cherry bombs. Okay, all right. Well, we same, used same principle though. Yeah, that we used lighter fluid and shot these tennis balls and. That was pretty spectacular, but then someone got the idea of soaking the tennis ball in lighter fluid so that as it shot out, it, it became a flaming orb of death. That's beautiful. Yeah. Oh, yeah, but the, the one thing about the cherry bombs and your lighter fluid would have solved that problem. We weren't engineering majors. I'm sorry. And I went to a school that was known for engineering. Um, but, yeah, we – and this is younger. This is in high school when we used to make the, the tennis cannons – but um, yeah, cherry bombs were good, but they would blow uh, metal shrapnel out, and you know, occasionally someone would get scratched. Well, I I, I went to an engineering school, so I had a lot of my uh, classmates were were well on their way to designing a wonderful uh, instruments of destruction. So, so um, we also talked about running into the woods with the fireworks. That's something that. I did as a kid, not not the, the fireworks part, but I lived right by the Newark watershed uh, that was just all this these woods so that the water could flow into the reservoirs. And we would go back and build uh, log cabin forts and just run around and just, you know, there were all these trails. And this is also right around the time that, you know, Evil Knievel became a fad. And so we had our bikes and we would, you know, build ramps and we would jump the ramps. And then people got the idea of, oh, well, you know, Fonzie was jumping sharks and there's no sharks in Northern Jersey. So let's lay some kids down. And they we jumped over kids and it was just, it, it's incredible to think that there weren't more trips to the emergency room. There were a lot of trips to the emergency room. There were a lot of stitches, a lot of broken bones, but you just healed. You, you, that, that was it. There was no, you, you know, you were a little, I don't know if you were tougher or just dumber back then. I, uh, so I, I, I lived in Manhattan in, in the early, early eighties, um, right off of, um, uh, Greenwich in Washington. And there was a, a UPS facility, same building that, uh, Randy Jones, the original, uh, Cowboy from the Village people lived in. There's my, my tie-in, man, when we were talking the other day, when you said, oh, guess who was at the next table? Um, Randy Jones. But anyways, um, so they had a loading dock, and the loading dock was probably, I don't know, four feet off the ground, but it had a really nice maybe 50-foot runway leading to the end of the loading dock. So, I, you know, I took my bike and uh, got up some good speed and then chickened out at the last second. Oh, <laughs> All the speed that I had and went basically boop right off the edge, four foot down, and the bike landed on top of me. I probably hit the hit the ground face first and uh, just laid there for about 30 seconds and because nobody else saw me do it, and uh, and that was it. So, uh, George, hesitation will make your worst yes. fears come true. Absolutely, yeah. George. No guts, no glory. Did anyone ever sketch where it was you'd go out on like like the ice storms, icy roads, and you'd you'd be wearing boots and you'd grab onto the bumper of a car and your friend would, yes. would drag you behind? Yes. And you'd see how fast he could get up to. Oh, and 
it was like pre-plowed uh, road. Yeah, we used to do that. I had a Volkswagen Rabbit, and we would do that. And I had a friend, uh, our our friend, God bless him. Uh, he's no longer with us, but uh, John Wengler, he had a um, oh Jesus, what did he have? He had a Malibu, Chevy Malibu, and we would you could fit four across the back of that, and he would just tear ass, and we're in a, a public park. And he'd get it up to like 40 and we just let go and just tumble. And this is what, what do you about to? knowing better. What do you we hold were on like to? 17. What do you hold on to when you're doing this? You hold on to the bumper. The bumper. The bumper. Okay. The bumpers the actually they, they had a place where you can grab back. in. Yeah. Back in they the were, day when bumpers were actually not part of, they were part of the car, but they were separate from the car. Man. Right. We used to do that to random cars that would drive down our street. That was that was the fun. You would just like, you know, they would drive down slow enough and then you would just, you know, hold on and ride it to the corner. And, and you know, halfway down the block, the guy would get out and chase you because, you know, it's like, what the hell are you doing in my car? But uh, I'm trying to steal your bumper. Jacket. Yeah. Right. yeah. In, in my old neighborhood, if um, there was a, a bridge that is actually is no longer there, but there was a bridge over into the watershed. And if you went up that way, uh, there was a pond that we called the frog pond because of frogs, which evidently are not there anymore because of, you know, the, the breakdown of ecology. But the frog pond would freeze over. And it was an old, like, farmer's pond where the edges were these, um, uh, like, brick walls. Like, you know, they stacked, you know, uh, natural stone to make the the walls of the pond and this was at the base of a very big hill and in the winter we would take our sleds up to the top of the hill and go on these paths through the pine trees and there were ramps of course and you'd be on your flexible flyer and fly through the air and then hit the ice at the frog pond and try and like swerve so you didn't hit the rock wall so you know luckily my mom and dad can't work the internet so they're not listening now but um you know it just um when I think back now, these were such incredibly dangerous activities, but, you know, that's what we did then. You know, even things that, that we take for granted now, like, you know, Max and Dina are 11 and they're moving out of the trick-or-treating range. But, you know, as they went trick-or-treating, I would take them trick-or-treating and I live in a very nice neighborhood. When, when I was a kid, my mom would hand me a pillowcase and go say, go have fun. And we, we would go all over the strange people's house. We would go to strange people's house with no parents, no adults, ask for candy, come back, and then eat the candy. Imagine We that. preferred it that way. Yeah. yeah. Nobody wanted to go with their parents. Exactly. No, you don't want you your couldn't parents. Have, you didn't want to wear a winter that coat. That wasn't even an option. Yeah. You have to, here, wear this this thing that uh, will make you stand out. No, no, it's my, my costume is supposed to be all black. Exactly. It's, it's I'm a, <laughs> I'm a monster. Of course it's, I'm Dracula. Yeah, I'm why a, am I wearing day glow colors? I'm not. I'm a ninja. Why do I need like, I, I, I exactly. I, I'm a ninja. I don't want to stand out. I want to be a stealthy in the dark. Like, exactly. We had these I want to take other kids candy. We had these horrible costumes. That was this plastic mask with this, you know, the of course and it was the a, Ben Cooper costume. Yeah, the horrible costumes the your mother would buy them. I, I had three of them right over there. So, yeah. oh, I hate you. You couldn't. You wore the mask, but you couldn't breathe, and it was all filled with sweat and perspiration. And 
And, and you were wearing that outfit that tied it behind the back of your neck. And, and your mother was like, put your winter coat on. Well, years. No, Sorry? I stopped doing that and started making my own because I'm like, Ben Cooper sucks. Nowadays, I'm like, Ben Cooper's kind of cool. But back then, I was like, Ben Cooper sucks. So I would make my own costume. And I was like four foot two. You know how hard it is to find a green uh, a green suit for a four foot two guy so I could go out like the Green Hornet? It was impossible. <laughs> Nowadays, there's like six stores in Red Bank you can get. I know. Them. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, there's one thing that happened. Yeah, oh, my God. There you go, Ming. There's one thing that happened to me. You're talking about the only time I ever went to the emergency room because of a childhood uh, stupid prank. We used to play this game where we would shove each other into. We have these uh, old, um, God, juniper bushes, like huge, untended, unkempt. Uh, the neighbor down the block just let it go. And we will push each other into this thing. You'd fall, uh, you'd fall backwards into it, and you'd get up, and the next guy would go. Well, Mr. Green, uh, Mr. Green, there you go. Exactly. But um, mine was, uh, unfortunately, I took a bad hop on one of these, and I was impaled on a um, one of the fence poles, and it went into my back and went all the way through me. Oh, so yeah, I, so I was impaled. They pulled me off of it. it <laughs> the it, worst it, thing. <laughs> I know. I still have the scar from it. Wait, like, you, so do you? Do you only have one functioning kidney? Like, what the hell? No, it didn't puncture anything. That's the weird thing. It hit my pelvic bone, oh. and, and I just stuck there. And uh, my my father actually had to pull splinters out because they took me to the uh, ER. My father met us there. And they pulled splinters out because it was one. And you remember the old fence posts, the, the big wooden ones that look like I, it looked like a part of the one true cross. That's how old they all looked. And he was pulling, uh, he was tweezing these splinters, like two inch splinters out of my back. And he's like, well, you got real lucky. And he's just like, son of a bitch. And Talking about my father, like years later, about five years before my father passed, uh, he started listening to, to Ming and me talking on, on the podcast. And he said, you did all that when you were a child. He's like, I should beat the shit out of you now. <laughs> but you're smart enough to, to have survived all that insanity. So I really can't be angry with you. And the most important thing that you learned was never let me find out. <laughs> Hundred percent. Yes. Now, now I gotta ask you guys: railroad tracks. Did any of you guys grow up by the railroad tracks? My grandmother had. There was a switching station. Um, she lived in a place called Steelton, Pennsylvania, and there were. She had, got like a hundred railroad tracks right behind her house that went into the the Bethlehem steel mine, uh, Bethlehem steel mine, the, the steel uh, mill. And they would go in and they would come back on the same one. They had a turnaround up there. And we would go and put like quarters on the tracks. Well, we didn't have quarters. We were poor. We put pennies. pennies but we used to put rocks. We would line rocks up on the tracks. Oh, you're trying to derail the fucker, huh? Well, well, they would shoot the rocks out. We weren't trying to derail it. 
as it went to kill each other. The oh, rocks would better. shoot out, and we would be standing there watching these things fly. One of them stuck in a tree. It came out so hard, it was like in a tree. I mean, back when we were kids, you could just walk onto the tracks. There were no, there was no fences, nothing. We used I, to play in a uh, high tension uh, electricity manhole. I have to tell you, I have to tell you about uh, the pennies on the tracks. I have my very, very close friends, Dan and Marianne uh, uh, from Indiana. I lived in Indianapolis for six years in the 90s. Their daughter, Lori, uh, you know, uh, was just a child when I met them. And now is a, a mom herself. But uh, Dan and Marianne and Lori and I took the steam train from north of um downtown Indianapolis. I think it was in like Fishers that you come down on the steam train. It's an old vintage steam train. You go to the uh, Indiana State Fairgrounds for the Indiana State Fair. It was a you know lovely time. We you know something we enjoyed doing, but it was an old vintage steam train. So I thought, oh I'm gonna show the penny trick to Dan and Marianne and Lori. So I went and I put the pennies on the track, but you kind of don't realize how fast the trains come because I'm putting pennies on the track and I'm like, Oh no, because you know, the train's coming and it comes a lot quicker than you think. <laughs> it's an optical illusion. So, you know, Dan and Marianne, Lori, if you're listening, I was terrified. My, my train story is um, when we lived in Manhattan, there's uh, you know, the scene from uh, death wish, where uh, Bronson is like trying, he's just like walking and the guys are at the top of the stairs and there's guys at the bottom of the stairs. Mm -hmm. Well, that is actually covering a, a, a rail station or something underneath there. And there's a gate. You might even see it in the movie that was always open. So kids would go in there and play. And I was like, you know, oh, you want to go and see if you can touch the third rail over there? I'm like, you know, <laughs> like who would touch the third rail or who would, who would do whatever. It was crazy. I never did. Obviously I'm still here, but, and nobody else ever did, but you know, cause you was stupid 10 year old and uh, you didn't know, but they left it unlocked and anybody could walk in there. And only years later that I realized there were really trains going through there. I, um, I I never realized how dangerous the trains were. I mean, we had, I lived by the Northeast corridor. So we had Amtrak's going up and down. And we we played, we ran across the tracks, we played on the tracks, we did all kinds of stuff. And then one day a guy was in a boxcar and he jumped out of a boxcar in front of an Amtrak. And this is how it was in the neighborhood. It was like first thing we all did was we all went to Howlane Bridge to look down on the remains. And, and to this day, that 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 image haunts me. I can't even believe I did that. Who does that? Well, me. You, you did. I did. And George, I thought you were like gonna say something different. Where you're like, remember that scene from Throw Mama from the Train? <laughs> yeah. And, and yeah, there was always an old lady getting, you know, turned upside down and about to get chucked off a train. That can, would be cool. Can you yeah. even walk between train cars anymore on the subway? I haven't been on a subway in so long. Uh, uh, yeah, I think you can still do that. You're not supposed to, but you can. Yeah. But you know, the thing is, is that when we were younger even things that were supposed to be safe may not have been that safe because one of the things that I did as a high school student is I went to Action Park 
in Green uh, <laughs> Valley, Great Court. So I'm I'm one of the people that actually went to Action Park. My good friend Dave. <laughs> my Lowell. kids. Yeah, my my good friend Dave Lowell, who who's my Facebook friend and might be listening. He and I went in my dad's Jeep. We went up to Action Park, and and that was crazy. If if people are not familiar with this, you have to look it up. Action Park in Vernon Valley, Great Gorge, also known as, as Traction Park. Traction Park. Yes. This was the world's most dangerous amusement park. Not not on purpose, but um, you know, uh, they had um, not on purpose. Not on yeah, purpose. They had the Alpine Slide, which were the sleds that went down on the concrete chutes. They had um, a uh, tide, uh, a wave pool. That people like nearly got drowned in. Oh yeah, here's Ming showing a picture. Oh my god, the Alpine Slide. Yeah, the Alpine Slide. That they Alpine a- Slide. My yeah. buddy Steve and I were there, and he was coming down, and he, he, you know, I was a wuss. I was putting the brake on. He was going full fast, and when he came around the corner, his thigh grazed that uh, the cement and took off all the friggin' skin. And I just remember like a guy handed him a Band-Aid at the end. You know, he's like bleeding <laughs> down his leg. And the guy's like, here's a Band-Aid. Here, just put a Band-Aid on it. Yeah, rub some dirt on it. Rub some dirt on it. They they actually had a ride that were motorized tank. Well, here, here's the, yeah, the, the wave pool. Yeah. Tennis balls. They had a yeah, they had the speaking of shooting tennis balls, they had a ride where you rode around in motorized tanks and shot tennis balls at each other. So it was crazy. Um, here, here, they, Ming is showing the Tarzan swing, which was basically this, this very tall rope swing, and you would you know go into a, a deep, hopefully deep pool of water. It's crazy. It's really uh, it's unbelievable when you think about it. Oh, and and the uh, the boats. Oh, look at the. Um, oh man, that uh, I, I forgot the about bumper the, boats. The bumper boats were which were motorized inner tubes. They had um, uh, like half scale Formula One cars. Um, here is uh, the cannonball that you would shoot out of uh, tubes into a, a highly toxic waste. Yes. Yeah, yeah. It was. It was. Uh, and this was, I believe. This was one of the first water parks that were around because they had the water slides and things like that. There might have been some. There's around. a Tarzan. There's, oh, there's a kid who just broke his neck. <laughs> I, it's, I can't sweat. But yeah, they also bungee jump. I bungee jumped in front of my kids. I had my kids there, and, yeah. and they were standing there watching their dad bungee jump. Yeah, it was. It, it's. Cra- and I'm afraid of heights. Yeah, I mean it was crazy. In fact, um. Uh, you know, I think that Johnny Knoxville did a, a fictionalized movie on 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 uh, this concept, but this was a real enterprise that we all went to. I mean, you know, it's like uh, in addition, I was a horrible parent. Yeah, in, in addition, um, there was a uh, the North Jersey uh, version of a, a, a animal park, Jungle Habitat, that was in uh, West Milford for like a year and a half and my family had you know season tickets to it so whenever we had visitors we would drive people through the animal exposures and uh, uh, enclosures and then we would have to go and you know wash the the baboon crap off the car so 
when I was a kid, we used to drive through. This was at, at Great Adventure. I'm from New Jersey. We don't say Six Flags. We say Great Adventure. Yeah, Great Adventure. We drove through the, the lion area, and the lions were just frigging walking around. They would stop you in this one area, and they would let like 12 cars go in. They would close the gate behind you, and then they'd open it up, and you would drive in until some, I think it was like a Swedish tourist decided he wanted to feed the lion. He and the thing out. like when Zigfeed and Roy, oh, excuse me, I shouldn't say that's too soon. Uh, <laughs> no, it's not. They, they went full-ass Roy on him. Well, Roy just died, you know. Yeah, yeah. I know. Roy, there Roy you go. Away today. The tiger yeah, but, but COVID did. Yeah, the uh, but the the some some Swedish tourists got like half eaten at there, and then they decided they they were put they then they were putting them in cages. But I mean, my kids, I've got videotapes of my kids like dragging animals half into like you know giraffes and everything into the car and feeding them all kinds of crap. I mean, now you can't do anything. Now you drive through in a in a deuce and a half, and uh, you know there's no touching the animals anymore. No, the baboons would come up, and if you had. Remember the uh, the old like Lincolns? If you had like a half vinyl tops, vinyl tops, they you had ate a the vinyl. Yeah. Had the Lando yeah. roof. Yeah. yeah. Oh my God! They were like that because they wanted the glue underneath. Because <laughs> is they that what it was for? <laughs> yeah, because they said that they got high off of it. They would take it back to their in, enclosure. And uh, jungle habitat was like the the crack. <laughs> it, it was a crack house for animals. You drive through there and they're all like all sketchy and you're you're like, do they have mange? And you're like, <laughs> I never yeah. got the jungle habitat, but I mean well, six flags was our yeah. I mean, we went to Great Adventure like every year. <laughs> look at the look, look at that shit. Yeah. Look at we, that. We, we now see a picture of a lions basically assaulting a, a Plymouth uh, GTO. So you know. You know, and it was like, you know, somebody thought that was a really good idea. Yeah, just let these large, uh, you know, primate or uh, predators just wander around until some idiot opens their window. I, I would have loved to have seen if, like, the zebras got into the, the lion cages. That would have been great. Like, holy shit. You know, you're like nine years old. And yeah, I, I just saw the miracle of nature, Dad. <laughs> God. And it the, the rides were rides back then. Yeah. Jungle I mean, Habitat. We went there once. My father was a big... My father hated Six Flags. He hated uh, Six Flags. He Actually, we went to Six Flags over Georgia once. That's, that's the only Six Flags there is, in my opinion. He hated Great Adventure. He loved Disney World. So uh, he would, you know, once every four years, he'd throw all the kids in the the uh, station wagon we drive down to florida god what an agonizing drive that was no kidding i have five older brothers in cramped inside uh bro my brother bob always threw up every time he had he's throwing up and, you know and then the rest of the ride it's just like all you smell is bob's throw up yeah we, we did we did the drive from north jersey to florida and i and if i remember correctly we pretty much did it straight i mean my you know we didn't get yeah, we, we only stopped for bathroom breaks yeah. at Hess gas station yeah. Yeah. and we only ate at lums i don't know what the hell lums is but that's where we ate my father was a stuckies guy so you know we would we would stop at um rest areas and they would have these vending machines with like novelties, it was like the first time I saw 
a whoopee cushion and, and or like you know the little smoking monkey with a little cigarette for you oh, know uh, i love the smoking monkey yeah but you know i i was fascinated by there is a vending machine with like novelty things and you know of course you know my mom and dad were like you know unbelievably generous and let me spend money on this stuff but you know or you would go and get like the mexican jumping beans or you know which at some point were actually live larvae inside inside beans and then they switched over to the little like i guess uh uh you know uh, bearing or something that was the most we opened up those beans we cut them open of course to see the larva yeah oh. i never did it my father wouldn't stop at uh south of the border my father wouldn't either because he would always tell me we can get it cheaper at home. And yeah. I'd say, Dad, we're home now. Could we get that? And he'd be like, ah, shut up. Go away. He never bought me anything. That's mean, man. How do you pass by Pedro and south of the border and not stop? I don't talk to my dad. Yeah, talk to him. Uh, yeah, get, get a Ouija board and talk to my dad. That's cruel and unusual. Lenny would, I mean, we once, the, the, the Boy Scouts had a rodeo in North Brunswick and it was at the Boy Scouts headquarters they had there. And my dad took us to this rodeo. He bought the tickets. He had the tickets in his hand and he walks in and he hands, you know, there was like five of us. He hands the tickets and the guy takes the tickets and he says, okay, see you later. My father was, well, don't we get a stub? And the guy was like, no, you don't get a stub. We don't, we take the whole ticket. Then he goes, well, what about insurance? I have no insurance. There's no proof that I'm here. And he had this whole argument. Finally, my father was like, screw, give me the tickets. I'm getting my money back. And he left. He walked a seven-year-old Mike out of that place on insurance purposes. What did your dad do for a living? A lesson that day. Oh, yeah. I learned a big lesson. My father has decided he didn't feel like spending that money on that rodeo, and he got second thoughts. Now, my father was, uh, it was a, a, he was a truck driver and then a, uh, a fire marshal. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> there you are. I mean, if you, if you want to talk about walking out of places, I remember I, when I was a kid, I was with my mom and my dad and my uh, my dad's uh, mom and dad, my grandma, Jeanette, my grandpa, Louie. And we went to uh, the, <laughs> Miss, the Miss Monticello Diner. It's once too many times. <laughs> we went to the Miss Monticello Diner in uh, Monticello, New York. And we walked all the way to the back. They sat us in the back. And my grandpa started looking at the menu. And it was like, this is ridiculous. Well, they're charging this money for food. Imagine that. We're in a restaurant. And they're charging all this money for food, which is kind of what a restaurant does. But, you know, and then he's like, I'm not paying this. Gosh, darn. And, and I remember walking out. And, and I was not even embarrassed. I was just, I was amazed. I'm like, you can walk into a restaurant and, and not buy anything and walk out and it, it was perplexing for me but. my dad did that all the time but he would eat the bread and then he would leave <laughs> charlie's in, in in orlando we lived in florida so we went to charlie's steakhouse and it's a real it's like one of the top steakhouses in the united states it's fantastic so we're going to charlie's and i was going to pay and my father sits down he orders a steak and he said, I don't know, the, somehow the guy was like, do you want a baked potato? And he goes, well, doesn't it come with a baked potato? And he goes, no, it's a la carte. You get a steak, you order your vegetables and a baked potato. My father was like, I'm not, I'm not paying extra for a baked potato. It should come with the steak. He got up and left. Did it just walked. He, he would not. He, he walked out. Of, he ate the bread and he got up and left. I was like, I had to leave a tip on the table and we walked out. And when I had my wife in Florida, 
I, I, you know, I said, we're going to go to the steakhouse, but you can't mention it to my dad because my dad would have had a fit. You can't eat at that place. Well, I have to tell you that just recently, within the last couple of years, a similar circumstance happened, but it was my fault. I totally take responsibility for it. My mom and dad were visiting um, and we went to Somerville, New Jersey, and I a new um, Chinese restaurant had opened and I thought it was a Chinese buffet because this was before COVID and you could go to buffets, but they really liked that kind of restaurant. And so we walked in and it was actually, it was a super nice place. It looked like, it really looked like they put a, a lot of work into this restaurant, but it, it was a little bit fancier than um, what my parents were expecting. And we sat down and my parents looked at it and I, I was like, this wasn't what you were expecting. They were like, no. So I said to uh, the waitress, I said, this is a lovely restaurant, but this is not what we were expecting. I'm very sorry. I will come back with my friends. And so we ended up going, um, uh, walking out of the restaurants and going down the street to Alfonso's, an Italian restaurant. We've been going for 20 years. So, I mean, it happens sometimes. What, no Golden Corral? <laughs> you know, if we could find a Golden Corral, we would go there like every week with my folks. Golden Corral, there's one I down. Will. There's one down off of Route 130, uh, down uh, towards South Jersey. That's good. Good to know where to avoid. <laughs> my father would go there every year for veteran. This might get back to my dad again for Veterans Day. He took when my wife and I were on our honeymoon in Florida, and he made me go out to dinner with him on my honeymoon. And he took us to this uh, all-you-can-eat lobster buffet. And you guys met my wife. She's she's a, you know she's she's a tiny. So she goes. She has one lobster. She eats one lobster. And my father's going, and, and she's done. And the, the waiter takes her stuff away, and she's just sitting there. And my father's going, well, aren't you going to have another one? He goes, she says, no, I had a lobster. I'm full. It was delicious. Thank you very much. He goes, you got to eat another lobster. I'm not going to get my money's worth unless you eat two or three of them. And, and my wife was like, I can't eat this. You're no daughter-in-law of mine. My father was a huge fan of Morrison's Cafeteria. You remember Morrison's? Oh, wow. yeah. Yeah. Where was Morris? They were big down in Florida. They Very, were like huge. You'd go, you'd, and um, my God, my father was just such a fan. I think they, the last one in America is still in Orlando. <clears throat> so, as I recall, it, it, it's pretty fancy. They have like a, um, ushers and things, or am I? No, you're right. Fancy for a cafeteria. For a cafeteria. <laughs> <laughs> It's one of the fanciest cafeterias I've ever been to. Yes, it was. Uh, they they had really you could get anything you wanted. It was it was almost like an automat. I was gonna say like the automat in the city. Yeah. Yeah, and but very good food. Uh, I remember they had. It was the first time I had ever had fried calamari. I was like eight years old down there. Yeah, you can have that there because if you don't like it, you don't have to finish it. We used to go to uh, Beefsteak Charlie's. Oh, I remember Beefsteak Charlie's. And all you could eat shrimp and yeah, beer, wine, and sangria. Yeah, that's right. Beer, wine, beer, wine, and sangria, and close it with your meal. I don't know how they made any money. We used to go there and just get hammered. Yeah. Or the ground round. It was, you guys remember the ground round? Oh, yeah. On the floor. George, thank you for bringing up Beefsteak Charlie's because I should be, now that I think about it, I should be dead 
Like, <laughs> how, how so, Mike? Um, so a bunch of my friends and I went to Christian Brothers Academy uh, over in Lincroft, and uh, it was an all-boys school. So a bunch of my friends and I piled into a car, into I think it was a Gran Torino, that uh, one of my friends was driving around in. And, yeah, we went to uh, – we're like, we're going to Beefsteak Charlie's. Everyone got your fake IDs that you got at Playland, like a block down the uh, the street from Beefsteak Charlie's. So we all had our fake IDs, and we went in. They didn't even check. But it was uh, – there were like 12 of us jammed in this car, and we made it up to New York in 40 minutes. Oh, my word. From Monmouth County, from, from Red Bank, to um, Beefsteak Charlie's over on the – um, I, I think it was on the Lower East Side in 40 minutes. We were doing like 95 all the way up on the uh, the turnpike. Insane. We, sh- we should have crashed like many, many times. Then we drove back after getting drunk on all the beer, wine, and sangria we could drink. <laughs> and we we made it back. It, it took us like an hour and a half this time. They put pictures on the table. They did. It wasn't even like a glass. A pitcher of wine. Pictures. Yeah. Not a bottle of wine. It was a pitcher of, and it was the sangria. had like, was just crappy wine with a bunch of fruit in it. Yeah. It's like they they opened up a can of fruit cocktail and just jammed it in with a box of wine. Yeah. There's nothing like having all that sugar when you're drinking alcohol. Next day, you're just wonderful. That was the good old days, though. Let me tell you. (laughs) One guy. Wait. One guy who got the peel and eat shrimp, all you can eat peel and eat shrimp, didn't even bother peeling it. He just ate it shell and all. <laughs> so, so who? So where'd you go to get your fake ID? Playland, Playland, right up on Forty Seconds, actually Forty First Street. We we went to Queen Center. There was a place inside Queen Center that sold the rock posters and the T-shirts and. Any kind of, you know, any kind of ID from any state you want. If you want to be McLovin from Honolulu, mm-hmm. there you go, you know. My son, my son, I got to look for it. My it's son, it. I can't mention his name, but. That's it. There you go, Ming. I have my son's fake ID in a shadow box on my wall. <laughs> nice. My name Good. was Mike Logan. And I, I mean, I didn't want to be just 21 years old. And I swear to God, I looked like I was. Four. Mick Zapsick. Mick Zapsick. I was Mike Logan and I made myself 23 so I wouldn't be. Right. Like, so 21, exactly. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't want to be 22. Well, See, I, I, I had, I, remember we had the paper IDs, the paper driver's oh, license. Sure. So I had my friend's paper driver's license because, yeah. like, he was at that age where he could drink when he was 18. And then, you know, two years, you know, the, you know, so he was able to do that and then he got grandfathered in. So I got his expired license and I just altered it in, uh, you know, just tiny alteration to it. And then I became him. And it was funny because I was going to this bar for years and they were calling me Todd, like, to you know, <laughs> you know, one day. And then I was old enough. Then finally, when I was legal and I showed my I showed my real ID, they're like, I thought you were Todd. Yeah. Not only that, but. You've been drinking here for two years, and you're only twenty. Get the hell out! I I have to tell you that for me, um, I I never had a fake ID, and you know I'm a rules kind of guy, but also 
I I always looked young. I always I always looked really young. So much so that you know when I was in my mid to late twenties and I was traveling for business, like hotels wouldn't they didn't want to check me in because they're all like you're too young for hotel room. So I I never got a fake ID because I just knew that there would be no way that anyone people barely believed I was you know eighteen. They're not going to believe I'm twenty one. So. I had a I had a full beard at 14. This this was 14. I, I couldn't do it. This this face is it was even babier than that, babier back then. But we used to go to the, the bars that especially in Red Bank. Red Bank had a really bad section of town over on the west side where uh there was a bar called Coco's that we would go and get uh package goods, and there was another place called Bizarro's. And the only time you ever went into bazaars is if you had um, a wish to die, if you had suicidal tendencies. And Coco's, I went in and I got uh, a bunch of 40 ounces and bodies, um, which should tell you what kind of, and this is a bar. So this should tell you what kind of a bar it was. I don't want to be a racist bastard because it was. It was a bar of a certain. You don't have to be racist. You, my son, my that my kids, my son when he met uh, Billy D. Williams, I took, I made him take me to a comic con, and uh, so he was like, "Oh my God, that's Billy D. Williams! I'm going to pay for his autograph." Got his picture taken and paid for the autograph, and and I'm thinking, you know, you know, he's got an Empire picture or something, you know, and and he shows me, tells me the picture, he gets signed. It is the malt liquor ad. Yeah, he goes, "This is the Fody guy." So yeah, <laughs> the college thing. <laughs> That's awesome. So, but they, I mean, it was it was like that scene in Animal House. I walk in and everyone just starts looking at me, and I'm like, "Hi, folks, how are you? Mind if we <laughs> dance with your dates?" Right you. And uh, I, I, guy walks up to me, grabs because I, I I had a cigarette in my mouth. He grabs a cigarette out of my mouth, starts smoking, and I'm like, "You keep that." That's yours now. I don't. Need I'm it. totally cool with that. I and I am fine. Yes. And they took a look at my license, started to laugh, threw it back at me, took my money, and gave me my my stuff. And I'm like, <laughs> they were covered. Hey, good tip. See you later. For ID, they don't. Wasn't there? I mean, there, there was bars. I mean, we. I used to go with my friend Steve, and this kid. Like, if I showed you a picture of him, he was like four feet tall when he was 15 and we were going to like the lamppost and we would just sit at the bar and drink at the lamppost to see anybody. If you're from New Brunswick, North Brunswick area, mm. that was, you know, it was the bar we could walk to and yeah. they never even bothered. They never even asked. They didn't care. We put money on the down there and that was it. That's like reds Two bar. If you could go into reds and you could, if you could reach over and slap money on top of the bar, he'd serve you. They didn't care. Well, I, I have to say that, you know, um, when I went to college, um, I went to Lafayette College, which was a big um, fraternity school, and pretty much whatever you wanted to drink, um, the minute you got to Lafayette, you know, the, the world was your oyster because it, it was it was all it was all available. And, you know, and, and what happened is um, I did, you know, partake uh, as a freshman uh, and, you know, uh, even, you know, as a sophomore. So I'm not a big drinker, but that was a time where, you know, it was available and it was part of the norm. So that's that's what we did. By the way, I got to show you this. This is uh, this is what young Mike looked like 
when he turned of age. Can you see that? <laughs> That's my friend Steve there, too. Mike, you sort of look like Mike Myers. Maybe it's just a haircut. Yeah. <laughs> so I am... Um, I had a I had a uh, list that I made up uh, for our discussion today, and we've crossed all but two things off. So, what do we need to cross off? We one of the one of the things that uh, somebody brought up on the Facebook page in terms of dangerous things we did uh, as uh, kids was uh, clack, clackers. Did anyone have a clackers? Do you know what that is? Oh, come yeah, on. Everybody had clackers. Everybody knocking your teeth out, your yeah. eyes breaking your nose, glasses. Uh, the kabangers. The kabangers. The kabangers. The kabangers. Yeah. yeah. So so we we got to all your stuff naturally, organically, Stu. What the hell? I'm sorry now. I said we got to all of your topics organically. That's weird. Let me tell you, my friend. I, in addition to being, you know part-time reality star, part-time podcaster. I am a professional market researcher. So I view this as a focus group that I'm running, that I'm moderating. But you guys are a lot more fun than you. You're making money on this. Is that what you tell them? So, and then, and then thing we should cover, uh, who had uh, control line airplanes? Oh, yeah. we've my, you know, Again, I even had them with my kids. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Now, um, is everybody familiar with this idea? No. For those who are not familiar, back in the pre-digital age, and uh, these were gasoline-powered uh, model airplanes, and basically they, made by Cox. they were on a string, and you had a lever. I am, I am familiar with that, yeah. You had a lever where you could uh, control the you know uh, the rudder of the plane or what you know the the wings of the plane, so you would basically you know, start the plane up, have someone hold it, go into the center of a circle, and then let the plane fly around into a, in a circle, a, a gasoline-powered death machine that you were holding on with, like, with fishing line and try and get it to take off, fly around in a circle for a while, and then land. <laughs> in, in Forest Park, the same place we used to have the, uh, the fireworks wars, there was a dedicated field specifically for those planes it was right next to the golf house and i remember it was late in the 80s and i remember still seeing people that must have been huge in the 60s and 70s oh yeah uh, it was kind of like overgrown but then i just remember hearing that buzz that and seeing somebody whipping it around and they were st still doing it and there was a dedicated field that had been built so it wasn't whipping it around. I mean, it was that thing was it barely in control. I mean, yeah. all you the only control you had was you can you could ele the elevators would go up and down. The rudder, I think, was fixed to go around in circles. Okay, yeah, you're right, Mike. That that's true. Um, but yeah, I mean, these were these were actual toys that we played with when we were kids. So I I actually that is my entire list. So you guys are awesome. So, uh, was there anything that we uh, uh, we didn't cover that you know? For I'll take a uh, hint from the very good uh, Point Blank uh, podcast or for closing comments. So, hey, before we close this out, I gotta mention please. the Agent M the Agent M bazooka made by Mattel. Yes. Did you guys ever? Did you know? Did you know what that was? 
I sent a video of it, but the, the commercial, basically it was this bazooka and you pumped it up and it had air in it. And then you would hold it up right next to your face. You'd pull the trigger and a loud sonic boom would happen. And then like a couple seconds later, you can like hit some leaves or knock somebody down or, you know, it was, yeah, there it is there. That's by the way, uh, extra points. If you know who that guy is there. That looks like Kurt Russell. Yep. That is Kurt, Kurt Russell. Russell. Didn't even notice it. What is he part of the French friggin' resistance? <laughs> yeah. But see, he's pumping it up, and we we all had these when we were little, and they banned them because they were so loud. It it was like causing deafness because you you, know, you see where his ear is. It's right where the noise is. Oh yeah, look at that. Oh yeah, a kid on top of a grassy knoll. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> yeah, with with a bazooka. Look at this. Well, I I have I have to tell you that that this is this is an amazing toy. Um, my dad was and is a sportsman, so you know he was uh, someone who enjoyed you know the shooting arts and hunting. So we never had uh, toy guns because actually my dad's like, are you, are you interested in guns? I'll teach you how to shoot a 22. So, you know, that, that was the philosophy in our house. Now, you know, since I didn't grow up in a, with a toy guns, uh, you know, um, Max likes uh, Nerf guns and has Nerf guns at his mom's house. And, you know, I tell him that, you know, I, I, we don't want to have, you know, guns in the house. I don't believe in guns, but I mean, look, look around at my stuff. I have a lot of breakable stuff. I don't want the Nerf guns because I'm afraid that something will happen bad. So that's smart. And your father was a sportsman, so I don't think he'd truly appreciate the bazooka. No, he definitely would not. One of the, exactly. you know, one of the finer arts. There you go. Uh, speaking of Nerf guns, uh, Nerf a couple years ago sent me something called the Rhino Fire. It's an automatic um, Nerf like chain gun, and oh. of course. We opened it. I put it together. And this is the first thing I did with it. Oh, oh no! Um, for those watch, uh, for those listening to the audio, um, Ming has chosen a very uh, inappropriate target on Mike to to demonstrate the. He's hitting him in the balls. Okay. Yeah. That's that's it's a podcast. Yeah. We're not on NBC. That's right. Yeah, this is or MSNBC. I mean, well, I, I have to tell you that Max would love that. Uh, not the hitting in the balls part, but the actual, you know, he would uh, love that and, too. We don't know. It, it could have been, you know, one from column A, one from column B. Yeah. We're fine. So, well, so like I, I, I think we, I Ming, mean, we're towards the end of our time, I think. Yeah, pretty much. But uh, yeah. yeah, hey, keep going for a little bit. Sure. All right. So, uh, are there any other? Are there any other um, toys that that we? Oh, you know what? I two more. I got two more. Okay, please, Mike. Tell me. What, okay. What do you have? One was creepy crawlers. Okay, oh. and it was basically a three hundred and fifty degree hot plate with no protection. So basically you would set this plate down with some goo in it and it would heat the goo up and, and it would make these like rubber things. Yeah. And, oh yeah. And like I, I, know, I, I got burned yeah, on that I, thing so many it. times. Wasn't it what? like creepy crawlers? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. There's, you could find a commercial on it. And the other one yeah. was the other one that I wrote down here was my Gilbert chemistry lab. Oh yeah. The one with the uranium two fifty six. Well, I didn't have the uranium one, but mine, I looked up mine and mine had potassium nitrate, nitric acid, sulfuric acid, sodium ferro uh, cyanide, 
uh, and you would it, and you would do this experiment with metal, and you would make this Prussian blue dye. I never remember doing that. I had no idea it was cyan cyanide. And then it, it also had calcium hypochlorite, where you can actually release the chlorine gas. You can make mustard gas. You sure. can make explosives. Yes. I I had one of those. I, I had one of those Gilbert uh, chemistry sets. So you know. I had like four of them. I had five older brothers who I got all their hand downs. <laughs> so all the, the, the chemicals that were still in there were like 8,000 years old, number one. And number two, only the poison was left for me. <laughs> it was the, 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 and I remember this too, because mine was like this. It would fold out and, it, mm -hmm. you know, I, I, did, I had to get test tubes because all the test tubes were uh, were destroyed. But it was some bad stuff. I love the thing. Awesome, that's safe, thrilling adventures in science. I, yeah, whatever. Whatever. Now, that the, the, if you look at the new chemistry lab now, they, they don't have glass. They don't have chemicals. They basically have all it's – like, it's like a package of safety equipment. Of course it is. It's you've got sand in there. It's hey, you kids, fun with silica. No, you no, can't. Silica is dangerous. You can't even have that. Oh, it might rub your skin. That's right. No, no, you might breathe it in. If we, if we go back, if we go no, it's silica. There's reg. There's all kinds of regulations on that now. If we go back to the creepy crawlers, one of the things that that brought to mind is how many of you had a wood burning kit. We all had word burning kits. And, and for those, those younger folks, it was basically a branding iron that you plugged into the wall and you burnt wood, hence the name wood burning kits. And you made beautiful designs. And they actually had little tips to the branding iron to make different designs. So, you know, you could inflict whatever pain you wanted to to a, a you know, unfortunate sibling. I just can't. I, I don't know how we're alive. Um, one of the other things I, I just recalled is I, I posted this morning uh, my Batman pogo stick. You know, uh, how many of you guys had pogo sticks? I, I had a really old school 1950s uh, pogo stick. Same person that gave me my my Schwinn Yetli uh, lemon peeler uh, had had this medieval thing and you got some real height out of that thing <laughs> land right you paid the price but this thing was all steel or aluminum or whatever and it was uh you know and you're not you, you know you, you're jumping on on asphalt so you know nothing's there to break your fall but you do you remember the uh the bars on boys bikes and they used to have a shift right on that bar yeah. oh my yeah. god yeah ah uh. I don't even know how we procreated after that. Oh my God. Yeah. They, they took a shot. Yeah. That was, I never understood the difference between boys and girls bikes. I'm like, girls should have that bar there and boys should have the, the dip. No bar. They should have a bunch of padding. They should have some full rubber. Now, I, I don't know if this is baloney, but from, from what I recall, the whole difference between boys and girls bikes were so that in, in the early early days that women could ride a bike and get on a bike while wearing a skirt or a dress or something like that. Or their petticoats. Yes. The petticoats. So that, that's my understanding that so it was slide in. Yeah, the, exactly. So. Without having to lift the leg up in the air. It was unladylike to ride a bike anyway. Yeah. Or a horse. yeah. So. Whatevs. 
Cause we used to have a lot of girls bikes where there were a lot of girls in my neighborhood and they were always trying to give their bikes away. You, you could never ride them cause they were a girl's bike. Yeah. You got made fun of and yeah, of course. <laughs> Couldn't do it. No. We, so we, we just considered Huffies to be girls bikes, even though they were boys bikes. So it doesn't matter. No, man. Mongoose. That's a boy's bike, man. That's a man's bike. Well, see, you're too young. See, it was, it was, it was all about the Schwinn. Schwinn, the Schwinn yeah. was the big one. And what was the orange crate, the Schwinn orange crate. Yeah. That it, was the bike to have. The I rich kids had it with the little wheel in front and the big one in the back. I, I sold her. Yeah. One to this guy and I didn't realize what I had. I probably let it go too cheap because it was a 68. Wow. And, uh, it, it still had the sticker from the bike shop in Chicago. And um, I didn't realize that it was the only year that the banana seat was uh, silver with a yellow Schwinn S. And then every year after that, it was a yellow seat with a silver S on it. And the guy, I put it on, I put it on eBay for like a grand. And the guy said, can you check to see if there's any tear in the, in the seat? And by the time he came back, because he offered me nine fifty, and I was like, no, I want a grand for it. And uh, by the time I came back, he was like full price, bought it. And, you know, it was a collector guy that, that had like six of them. And this was the pride and joy and whatever. I was like, you know what? I wasn't using it anyway. Let it go to somebody who wants it. You know, but that was that was the bike. It had the front shocks, the small wheel. It had the flat, uh, uh, the slicker tire in the back with the white wall on it. Ape hangers. Ape hangers. Yeah, yeah. It was it was it was the bike. You know. So. And and what was even better back then is having a cool bike like that, but you could go off and ride around the neighborhood. I mean, you know, I I I think that we've probably lost a lot of uh, you know the fun of childhood uh, i know that i'm uncomfortable having the kid but we're not going to talk about the last 52 days that's another story but you know in general you know i think the kids stay closer to home uh than they did when we were growing up and, you know I, I don't know if that's bad or good but it's a definite definite cultural difference My we, had, we left in the happen. morning Literally, we would leave. I'd get up and with my buddy Steve. We would leave in the morning, and we wouldn't be home till dinner. And yeah. we we rode our bikes many times from North Brunswick to Middlesex Borough. That's friggin' far. That's yeah. like that's like a half hour ride by car. And we would we would ride out there to go see some girls, <laughs> turn around and ride home, and be home before you know before dinner. And my parents they didn't care as long as I was home. For dinner, that's all that mattered. Just be, just be home before it gets dark. That's yeah, all. when the street lights come on, you come right. in when the street lights come on. But you had to show up for dinner. Yeah. yeah, you did. If you didn't show up for dinner, you got your ass beat. Well, you didn't eat in my house. If you didn't show up for dinner, I mean, she, everything would get put away and you would be done. You can have a bowl of cereal or something. Not that that was bad. Yeah. Okay. Well, you guys have been awesome. And, you know, Mike and Ming, thank you so much for for making this platform available. You know, a, as you know, it took me, I think, uh, two and a half years to get through, you know, two or three episodes. And it's taken me, you know, a month and a half to do two episodes. So I we certainly appreciate, you know, what you've uh, provided. 
Of course, and we live to tell the tale. So this is yeah, way and, and, than moon shoes and uh, cherry bombs and M80s. So faster there, Stu. I'm sorry, Mike. I said you're getting faster there, Stu. Which Mike? Oh, yeah, the Mike Z. Exactly. <laughs> so, so yeah, I am. What? I am, huh? Huh? I am getting faster here, but you know, I I, th I think that um, you know I I appreciate um, you guys participating in. Uh, now this is episode. Uh, six um uh, we'll look forward to i think uh, george you and i were talking that the next time we might see each other would be framed in jersey framed in jersey okay and yeah. and i have and i have to say that due to my support of uh artists uh, i have a number of pieces that i need your expert care at at revere picture uh, framing thank you thank you it's been it's been actually it, the support from from everybody you included um has, has been awesome you know uh, with all that's going on they're still worried about my my little business staying afloat um actually actually we were uh we were talking my, my daughter and i were talking the other day and then i said i forget why we were talking about brian johnson and out of the clear blue you know he, he calls and he's like yeah, i got a bunch of stuff i gotta send i gotta bring over to you and i was like G give me a ring and you know we'll work something out but it's been it's been wonderful it really has so um you know i i love where we live and i love that that people are are still concerned about small businesses not just mine but you know the outpouring from from everybody to to uh you know we're, we're a neighborhood we're a community you know case in point we're, we're doing this podcast you know so uh it's it's awesome so thank thank you Stu. thank you guys i appreciate all of you and uh this is always fun so, and, and I would say that, you know, obviously I have, you know, stuff for you, George, to take care of, you know, Mike and Ming will have another episode. And then also, you know, Mike, I just ordered uh, the curated box from the secret stash. So I have that to look forward to as well. Yes, you do. Um, yeah. And it'll be in your hands within like two or three weeks. Excellent. So, Thanks, everybody. Um, uh, if you have any comments, let me know on Facebook, uh, good or bad. Um, and, uh, you know, thanks very much for participating. Take care, guys. Hey, thanks for having me. Thank you.